Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. I am so glad that you are here today. Um, you know, as you guys probably know from our last podcast, we are in the middle of filling up our Kahuna boardroom. And uh, I'm, I'm really passionate about this boardroom event and what we created because I, I really believe that is it is absolutely unique to this this genre, this multifamily class of, of ed- educators. Um, and the reason is, is because I'm a deal maker. I, I make more money doing apartment deals than I would ever could imagine than doing um, education and teaching. I teach because I love it. I love giving back. And so I created an event where we teach you from A to Z the whole gambit of apartment investing, you know, from finding deals, finding money, how to analyze the deals, how to build your team, um, how to make profits with operations. Um, we, we go through the whole gambit and we teach you it step by step by step. We also have, a, you know, what's called, we call it load up before you show up. We give you a five-week webinar training and some of those are live, some of them are recorded, but they're, they're really intense uh, trainings. And then we also have a three-day intensive, and that three-day intensive uh, is me kicking everybody's butt, and but just giving personalized coaching and really just and, and making everybody do the work and get into the software and figure it out and say the words and get you know get muscle memory starting to go, and it it really is a unique unique event. Very proud and honored to to do it. Um, you know, and listen out there in the the marketplace like. For these types of programs, I mean, I know some some investors or some educators out there that charge fifty thousand to up to a hundred thousand dollars for their coaching program. Are you say what? Are you what? Are you kidding me? For what? What are you doing for that amount of money? I'm I'm not charging that at all. I'm not even close. And uh, I wanted to make something where I, where I could teach. 35 people. I let 35 people into my boardroom. And the 35 people that come in that I, you have to do an application um, are killers. And they really want to move the needle. And so if that's you, what I would like to do is I want to invite you to come to a webinar um, and let me let me kind of give you some of my secrets. A, let me give you just some secrets right? Let me, I'll, I'll talk about raising private money, some of the things I do there. I'll talk about finding deals. I'll talk about a little bit of everything into the apartment world and, and then really just give you a deep dive of what my course does. And then we're going to invite you to apply. And so if you would like to learn more about the Kahuna Boardroom, simply go to Kahuna HQ. So that's K-A-H-U-N-A, like the big Kahuna, HQ for headquarters. So kahunahq.com is where you can go to register for that webinar. We're going to do it two weeks in a row. So we'll have a a once coming up and then we're going to do a replay. But if you will go to kahunahq.com, we would love to share um, some secrets in the multifamily space and really give a really good insight uh, with some videos and, and showing you some testimonials. And, you know, some of the things that we do for you, because it, it really is awesome. And we just would like to invite you to take a look under the kimono and see what we do at the boardroom and see if it's for you. With that said, guys, welcome to the show. 
So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags to riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Man, we just keep packing great shows for you. This is probably going to be one of my better shows that I've done, and we've had some really good people on, but my next guest has a depth of knowledge and a such a large sphere of knowledge that you're definitely want to, go to take out pens and papers and, and take mental notes because uh, he's throwing uh, you know three types of heat and he's got a nasty slider. So, uh, <laughs> my Greg, Greg Dickerson, he's been in the business for 22 plus years, started off as a handyman, is a multimillionaire, um, has a great story. Greg, welcome to the show, brother. Corey, thank you for having me, man. Those are some uh, kind words and a lot to live up to there. <laughs> well, you know, we got to make sure that you bring your A game today. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. So, you know, let's just jump right into it, you know. We're talking right before the show of just kind of a little bit of your story and just give me your, your little background story of kind of where you came from and where you're at now and, 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 and what you're doing right now that gets you all jelly. Okay. Well, you know, the quick story, uh, over my 22-year career, I bought, developed, and sold over $200 million in real estate, and I've started 12 different companies along the way. And uh, so I'm a serial entrepreneur, real estate developer, so I love to stay busy. I'm adult ADD, right? So uh, I like to keep busy, but... Very deliberate, very organized, and uh, you know, very intentional about what I do. But I like to do a lot of things, and I'm very good at multitasking. So, uh, I went in the Navy right out of high school. I did not go to college, and um, I landed on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which is a resort community off the coast of North Carolina. You know, summer rental homes, and uh, started a little handyman remodeling business. And I was working for a bunch of investors that were buying houses, fixing them up, and selling them. But down there, fixing them up is putting pool in, an elevator, closing in the ground floor, you know, that kind of thing, right? 150 grand, 200 grand. Just and, small uh, reno, right? Exactly. Small reno. And I mean, I was working for these guys. One of them was like the number two guy at Citibank and he had a million dollar wine cellar that he put on his balance sheet <laughs> to qualify for loans. <laughs> so, and they raced Ferraris on the weekends, you know? So these are the kind of guys I'm working for and uh, doing projects. And I'm like, man, I want to do what you're doing. And they're like, okay, well, you know, find us a deal and, you know, maybe we'll do a joint venture. So I started doing some things with those guys. And then I remember the first like flip I ever did, a friend of mine who was a realtor found a lot, just a vacant lot. And he said, look, man, we can buy this thing for, you know, 65,000 and sell it for a hundred thousand, you know, as soon as we close. And I'm like, can you do that? And you're like, yeah. He said, he said, you put the money up, I'll do everything else and we'll split the profit. I'm like, okay. So I buy the land and sure enough, 30 days later, he's got it sold. We put $15,000 each in the bank and I'm like, you know, still not realizing, you know, can you really do this? <laughs> and I mean, I'd owned three houses at the time and, you know, so I'd bought and sold real estate for myself, but I didn't know that you could do that. Right. So 
you know, nice. that kind of triggered, uh, yeah, that, the light bulb went off. And then you know, I had another friend who was a, a developer in Northern Virginia that came down and uh, we started building spec houses together. So he taught me how to do the spec house game. So then I developed a business where I would find land, put it under contract, flip it to an investor, build them a house. So I'd make 25, 30 on the land and I'd make another 100, build them a house. And uh, we had a pretty good company. So we, we went from 250,000 to 30 million in about seven years and started all, you know, about 10 other companies along the way during that seven year period. And they were all, you know, pretty uh, related to the construction industry, plumbing, electrical, cool style right. landscaping, things like that. So, you know, what I like to do is I just, I like to coach people. So uh, I would find great people. I'd, I'd come alongside of them and I would coach them to success and join with them and help them build their company. And sometimes I'd come in and buy it from them, build it up and sell it back to them. And other times it'd be somebody who was like the guy that was selling me pools and spas. He's like, man, I'm selling you 30 of these things a year. He said, I want to start my own company. I'll come with you. We'll set up a company. You can buy these things wholesale, save a bunch of money and help me get started. And I was like, okay. So, uh, so we did and, you know, turn that into a pool spa landscaping company. And he was the largest one down there. Plumbing company, we turned him into the largest one down there, electrical. So just, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's just kind of how I'm wired. And that's, like that is cool, by the way. That's, that's like, let's not pause for a minute. Time out, time out. <laughs> Listen, you, you just unlocked something. You took good people and helped coach them to be great. Right. I mean, that's what I'm hearing, man. Like, that's a unique skill set, man. How do you how do you feel like what is it about that skill set that you have that that allows you to see that? And then to get the others to um, to take hold and say, man, that's that we could do something because you hear yeah. about businesses going bad all the time. Yeah, it's tough. Business is tough. And um, I'm, I'm really good at discerning people and finding, you know, I call it finding champions and coaching them to success. So it's kind of been my business philosophy all through my life, you know, through the military. Uh, after the military, I did restaurants and construction. It's the only two things I've ever done. So I was managing restaurants and doing construction. And I always I'll had a little side restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so it's a people business, right? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. All about, it's all about multitasking, delegating, aces in places, right? You know, when it's on, when you're, when you're uh, you know, prime time and, and, you know, you're doing peak volume, you put your aces in places. In a restaurant, you cross-train on your off hours, but at peak hours, you put the aces in places, the right people in the right spot so you can knock the volume out, right? So that mindset and philosophy, I just incorporated into business, and I've developed myself. So I didn't go to college, but I'm very self-educated, and uh, I've read you know, hundreds of books, you know, hours and hours and hours of podcasts. And you're, speaking, you're speaking my language because I come from that same school, not yep. formally educated, but educated. Exactly. Right. I mean, it was books on tape, right? And then the little Sony Walkman, and then it was the CDs, and then it was I had the 80 gig iPod, and I've still got it, and it's got nothing but books on it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, anytime I was out exercising, doing anything, that's what it's going in my ears, not music. I'm listening to something, I'm pouring you're into feeding, myself. You're feeding your mind and just giving it new ideas, fresh uh, perspectives. And that's really how you're able to probably lead so well. Exactly. And, that, and that's my skill. So I'm a leader, delegator, motivator. I have no trouble at all letting go of control. I've got, I'm a very good delegator. That's like my superpower. Yeah. So my philosophy in business is find great people, put them in the right position, let them do their job and let them make mistakes. And, and stay out of the way. my philosophy yeah. has always been, if I'm going to hire you and pay you a great salary, the last thing I'm going to do is do your job for you. Right? So I've always looked at when I built businesses and scaled businesses, the way mine went from 250,000 to 30 million was my first hire was an office manager slash bookkeeper slash administrative assistant slash slash slash, right? 
So I had that office manager bookkeeper who I poured everything on. And I mean, literally anything I needed done administratively, she did it. You would not find me behind a computer. I dictated emails. Uh, I dictated faxes back in the day. I mean, I did not do any of that, right? Because I've got this person, I'm paying all this money. So I'm going to use that person and use them to their fullest and allow them to do and take on as much as they want. On the building side, what I did was I went after some of the best people in the business that were working for the largest company down there and I recruited them to come work for me. So I had never built a house before we started building houses. I didn't know how to do it. So I went and hired guys that were doing 60 of them a year. Yes. And I hired them. And I came in and I said, you teach me. You're smarter than me. You've been doing this your whole career. Show me what you know. And, uh, and I took care of the rest. And I just, you know, if you've got a thoroughbred, you don't lock them in the stall, right? You put them on the track and let them run. So, um, oh, so that's, yes. that's just kind of what I'm good at. And it's what I love to do. And I've done it my whole career. Identifying businesses and companies to join with or buy was always somebody coming to me. So um, I've made one or two mistakes in my career where I went to somebody else and said, hey, I really think you could do something. And it usually doesn't work out. It's always the other way around. If somebody wants to make something happen, like you, you wanted to get into this game, right? You sought out the people you needed to find so that you could be successful. Your partners, the brokers yeah. that you partner with that bring you deals, the people that you surround yourself with in your business. You know, these are people that come to you, right? And say, hey, I've got this ability or, you know, I just need help getting to the next level. So uh, it's like my pool guy. He was already in the business, you know, for 10, 15 years. And he came to me and said, I want to start my own company. And uh, he did everything that he needed to do that I told him to do. I didn't have to do it for him. Correct. The, the right guy, the right guy is going to do and, and see what you, what you uh, possess. And he's like, listen, I, I'm, you know, I know pools really well. I might need some operating capital, some help in, uh, in marketing and all that stuff, but I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me. Right. And that's how I built myself up. So I have a very strong sense of urgency and I would go to the people that I saw that were the best in the industry doing what I wanted to do. And I would either go hire them or I'd learn from them and partner with them. Right. So that's, that's how I fast tracked my success and shortened my learning curve. Never had an official coach or mentor which in this day and age, you know, we just didn't have the ability to find those people like you can now. Yeah. That's the best way to fast track your success. Get somebody that's doing what you want to do. Hire them if you can afford to pay them. If not, go to work for them and work for yeah. free if you have. Dude, yes, yes. I, you're Greg, I love what you're talking So here's my, my thought process. Exactly the same as, um, you know, I want you to, to – the, one of the points, I'm writing a dead right down your point, of you didn't just seek out average cats right? You made it a point to seek out guys that were doing it really, really well. And man, if I'm, I, I circle that thing because I feel like that's what I've always done as well is if like, I mean, I started copying at like seventh grade. Okay. Kevin Highfield. I love him. If it wasn't for him in math, right? Like I sat behind him in math there, you know, in, in, in a <laughs> first hour trying to get my math done for third hour. Right. And, yeah. uh, but but Kevin was the smartest kid in math, man. And so if I was going to copy or model somebody, you want to model from someone that's actually pretty damn good. Yeah. And um, it's the same concept as if you're, you know, but I love that fact of hire them. And that's that's ballsy. But if you do that, like you just said, they they already have the skill set and they'll it's going to transfer you regardless, right? Exactly. I mean, that's genius, man. That's and that's not even rocket science, guys. Like that's just that's just like, oh, that's pretty smart. 
<laughs> yeah, well, there's nothing new under the sun. And the, the good thing that I've always done is I've left my ego at the door, right? So I know and I knew that all I know is what I know and, and I don't know what I don't know, right? And none of us are as smart as all of us. So I've always sought out great people, smart people, people smarter and better than me. Whatever I can't do or don't like to do, I delegate that out. I hire that out. I find other people to fill those gaps. I partner with them. I joint venture with them or I hire them, right? So in my yep. age, in, in uh, evolution in life now, everything is outsourced, right? So um, yep. I've built companies and right now I'm kind of in between and you know I'm still looking for opportunities to get involved with a company. If I see the right one that can scale, uh, I'll definitely you know get involved and do that. But as far as my projects go, I mean, I've got architects, engineers, general contractors. I mean, I hire it all out. Property managers that, that do the third-party management uh, yeah. So I'm not I'm not looking at bringing that stuff in house. I go find the people that are the best already out there doing it, and then I just coach them. I lead them. I put them together, and I coach them to success. And you know that's just kind of what I've I've been able to do my entire career. And uh, you know it's just very fortunate that I just I don't think I'm smarter than everybody else. I don't think man there's yeah. got to be a better way, or there's got to be you know I can do it so different or whatever. Right? Franchises work for a reason. You yeah. Know? But the system it's proven. Sure, you can always enhance. You might always be able to find a more efficient way to do something, but you can't always find a better way to do something. A better right? way. Yeah. It's yeah. always sometimes it's like there's a reason like there's step one, step two, and step three, and not step three to two, right? And yeah. there's usually it, it all works out at the end. You may not see it at the beginning, but, um, you know, that's your patient through the process. The other thing you said was just allowing um, some of uh, them to make mistakes, Right, right, man. That that is another really uh, seasoned type of uh, vision, right? Is you got to allow, like, when you and you set them free. So I, I do the same thing as well. I do not uh, micromanage. Like I have a management company. I third party out because there's no way. I mean, I want to live my sunsets and palm trees life, right? Where we got yeah. time to go do things. And if you sit there and try to put your hands in all the cookie jars, what happens truly is it becomes half baked. Right, you're you're not getting the full product, and it's better off just letting go of the vine, empowering them, and sometimes they'll make mistakes, and that'll be the be biggest lessons they'll ever have. Yep, what, exactly. To talk you just, to that, you know, yeah, you find great people, you let them do their thing, and you and you know, to me, at my stage, it doesn't make sense to in-house everything and try to do everything yourself. Sure, you could go hire a team and manage your own properties, but like you said, you know, you're going to be there, strapped to that operation. Yeah. Even though you've got people doing it, you still have to show up every day. You still have to lead that pack. You know, leader sets the pace of the pack, right? As the leader, yeah. you still have to show up. You cannot detach yourself from that organization. But when you have that third-party management company or you have joint venture partners, well, then you don't have to show up every single day in an office. You can do what you want to do, be where you want to be. Everything's online now, so you can check all your metrics and your numbers and your reports and, you know, check in with people and do those types of things. So, as I evolved in my career and I stopped, um, and, and a lot of it was the economy, 2009, you know, when business changed and I had to change my business model because there was no work as a general contractor. So I stopped building and I wound that company down. And then I started hiring other builders because everybody was out of work to work for me. And back then it, it was cheaper than trying to hire it. Now it's not so much as cheap as it was. Construction's through the roof right now, but still it makes more sense. I'd rather pay 10, 15, 20% more for the freedom. Let somebody else do it because then I can focus on doing more deals, bigger deals, finding more deals. Yeah, the other things that, that make you happy, right? And, and exactly. that's the best that's use of your time. You. You've got your management company. You can spend all your time putting deals together and getting them through the pipeline and helping them build their business. That's what yep. you want to do. 
Yeah. You want to help feed them, build their business. And I want to be their biggest business. provider of, uh, of new deals, right? That's, right. that's it, that's right? It. Keep them rocking and rolling. And, uh, and then we all, and then our, our boats rise together. Like uh, I'm helping them, they help us. And, and we all get what we want, right? And what we do good that's and what key. we're, and what we're good at. That's so, the key. You know, you help your trade partners, vendors, your third-party management companies, you help them be successful, you help build them up, and they'll take care of you in the long run, and, and everybody wins. And sure, you're not going to make every single penny you can, you know, that way, you know, if you manage it yourself or whatever. But man, the time that, that, that it allows you and the scale that you can go to, and that's how you scale, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, and that's what I'm interested in. Let's talk about this a little bit. So in these businesses and companies and how did you get your capital to get started and, and really, you know, funding in the beginning, right? Can you talk to that a little bit? Or yeah, so, different, uh, maybe there's different projects, different ideas, but some, some yeah, of the everything's, funding. Uh, everything's different, but they're all fundamentally the same. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay, so that was the book that just opened my mind to having businesses that provided cash flow to invest, right? So that's when that philosophy hit. So my construction company was the first company. I had I used the cash flow profit from the construction company. Instead of pouring it all back into the company and buying everything, I used it to invest in other assets. So I was really fortunate. I mean, at $30 million, you know, I had a very huge line of credit at cash, at assets. So I was just borrowing the money myself. Um, and I was using my own cash to do my own deals. And then if a company came along, then, uh, you know, I would just use my own cash. But my first, <laughs> and I don't recommend this to anybody and, and you know, but I started with nothing, and I used credit cards. When my yeah. first remodeling company, I used credit cards to finance that, and I and I, you know, I borrowed everything I could along the way. I had a twenty thousand dollars equity line on my house, and I had credit cards, and that's how I got through the first five years of that first business <laughs> until I started generating income and making profit and figuring it out, right? Because I didn't, I didn't know the business. I was learning as I went. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't know how to. Someone said to me the best uh, definition of an entrepreneur is he gets into a plane that's that flies in the air and then he jumps out without a parachute and he's got to build it on the way down and yeah, um, yeah. you know and i and really that's you know i, I have a i have a, a young kid that's like 21 just turned 21 he's actually from my hometown and um i'm uh, we've got an internship right uh, here at my house and actually he's living with me and so we were talking about this and he's like well i kind of want to get it all figured out you know before i start i'm like listen just, just go, and uh, you're gonna make mistakes. It's gonna be okay. You're gonna get sloppy, and um, but you'll figure it out. Trust me, because it's organized chaos. Yeah, yeah. You learn by doing, and you know, and that was just all I had. I mean, I, you know, I didn't know any better. That's what I had. And if I needed a tool, I'd whip out the credit card. I'd go get it. And you know, sometimes I couldn't make payroll. I'd use the equity line in the house, and until I became bankable. Then once I became bankable, I had assets. I had cash flow. My company was in business for a number of years. Then I switched all of my accounts to non, you know, no personal guarantees, all non-recourse loans. Yes. And uh, everything was asset-based. And back pre-2009, that was easier to do than it is now. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So, pretty much that whole journey, self, uh, my own credit, or I would joint venture with people, two or three partners in a deal, and we would all go, go in equal, equal portions. Find what you deal. needed. Like, so, on the bigger deal stuff, right? And I think that's another key part of this is, man, uh, sometimes the... I get solo entrepreneur-ish, I just, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people that do that. Oh, I, I got to do it. And sometimes on bigger stuff, like you would never materialize if you just did it on your own because you couldn't do it. Why not find a couple other partners to bring together and then you all bring a piece to it and you all get to enjoy the spoils of something bigger. 
and it exactly. builds your resume and all that other stuff that it does to say, hey, I can, I'm playing at a bigger level now. Because the other thing too is um, you learn from those guys. So you know you find people that are that are stronger than you, that are that are you know higher level than you, and you learn from them and how they structure deals and how they do things and how they approach the deals. So most of everything I did was down there, and I had a lot of people coming down to that region from all over the uh, Virginia Southeast region. So I I made you know made contacts from North Carolina all the way up through Northern Virginia to D.C. And some of these guys were very successful, you know, heavy hitters. I mean, some of them were worth several hundred million dollars. And, uh, you know, so I, I learned a lot and I made connections all up and down this region that now where I'm living in Charlottesville, Virginia, you know, I've, I've been able to maintain those relationships over that year, over that period. And, and, you know, I get deals and opportunities coming my way all the time because of those relationships that, that all were cultivated down the Outer Banks. Man, isn't that, that's one of your relationships are key in any business, no matter, I mean, real estate, uh, anything, relationships, if, if, they're, if they could write a book. It's how to take relationships and keep them for your whole life because yeah. you never know where they're going to lead, you know, especially the right kinds of uh, people and, and, and go-getters like that. They come back tenfold. They always do. It's amazing. And that, that place down there is very special. The Outer Banks of North Carolina, that's, I don't know if you know, know it, but it's Kitty Hawk where the Wright brothers took off and, uh -huh. and all that. Um, that. Is that where they have all the houses are named? Yeah, like, they're all yeah. named and they're up on stilts and, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very special place, and it's very special to people to go down there. And so when you when you, it's really interesting when you develop relationships in areas like that. It kind of resonates. So you know, as I go through the years, I stay in touch and I maintain the contacts and and uh, you know, talk to people that I've been talking to for twenty years and just check in on them. And we always talk about the Outer Banks and deals that we did and things and what they're doing now, what we're doing now. And you know, I'm doing deals with people now that I met down there years ago, and it's it's just it's pretty amazing. The other thing is property. So I get calls all the time for, you know, people down there that have properties in other areas say, hey, I know you're up here now. And, you know, would you like to do something in this area? So it's, uh, yeah, relationships are key. That's that's really the most important thing in, in life. At the end of the day, you know, the only thing you can take out of this world with you is, is somebody else's soul. Right. So <laughs> that's it. You know, hopefully you'll see yourselves in the next life and uh, each other and, and those relationships continue on. But, yeah, it, it's amazing. It, it's it's just full circle. You never know. You, you know, it always comes back around and. You know, relationships are key. This has been a journey. You've been on a journey, my friend, right? I yeah. love, I mean, this didn't happen overnight. And uh, it's something that you've, and it's, it's, it's neat to hear you say, you know, where I'm at now, right? Because I think as, you know, when we first start out as investors, a lot of us, if you listen to my podcast, hunter-gatherers, man, like, listen, I'm just trying to make money for tomorrow or for this month or this week. And, but as you keep building these things up, you get to a point where this is where I'm at now. It's, a, it's kind of a neat deal, right? I mean, is it not? Is, like when you look at your life now compared to where you were coming off the boat, right, in the Navy, the change. Tell me about the change. Like what, what's, you what, know, what is amazing. different? Well, I'll tell you the biggest thing is just the wisdom and the awareness, you know, of what I know now versus what I didn't know back then. And knowing what to do and how to do it, but more important than that, knowing what not to do. I mean, that's really the biggest key. When I say letting, letting people make mistakes and my mistakes that I've made, the most valuable thing that I've learned in my 22-year career is what not to do, <laughs> you know? And a lot of people forget that. You know, they're like, hey, tell me what to do. I'm like, well, let me tell you what not to do. And, uh, and that'll get you a lot further. But, you know, it's just interesting because, you know, back in the day, I wanted to do it all myself, everything in-house, all my employees were in-house, I'm buying everything direct, I'm managing everything myself, and, you know, building all these, you know, 
and, and now, you know, like I say, where I'm at now, when you, you know, you start getting a little older and you have 51, 52, my kids are getting older. You know, you want to be able to, like you said, you want to be able to just, you know, have your time, live life on your terms. You know, during that period, I didn't take a lot of vacations. You know, I was yeah. working, I was building companies. And I mean, I remember at one point when I was building that first company, uh, I think it was five years in before I took a vacation outside of that area. Yeah. And I remember coming back and telling my employees, this is the first, it was a spring break. I said, I said, you guys are awesome. I said, I want you to know how much this means. It's the first vacation I've had with my family in five years. And because of you guys and the job that you do, I was able to leave for a week and not even have to worry and be Man. able to come back. And everything was running better than it was when I left. Right. So what's yeah. the, how do you measure a, a great leader by how well his operation runs when he's not around. When he's, when he's gone. Right. Right. And how much your team will step up because they want you to take that week or yeah. two weeks, right? Yeah. I, and I always th I go back. I think about like uh, that grind period, right? I always, you know, every every successful businessman has went through a grinded out period in life where you look back and you go, "Gosh, dang, I worked so hard." I mean, people will never understand the amount of work you put in. You know, but I know, I'm sure you have. I mean, like, just tenacious, focused, hard, nose-to-the-grindstone work. And oh, yeah. Well, one, of my, uh, one of my first jobs out of the Navy, like I said, construction and restaurants. So I was in, when I was doing a restaurant gig, you know, as a manager, I was helping open a steakhouse. I was making 30000 a year. I was working seven days a week, 14 hours a day. And that's no exaggeration. That, no, that's <laughs> doing close opens, brother. Right. Exactly. You're there at seven in the morning <laughs> and the next and day doing it again. Yep. Seven in the morning till midnight, seven days a week to get that thing open. And, you know, I, but I was building my career, building my career. Now I'm not advising anybody to do that. I'm not saying that's the way to do it, but I just have that kind of work ethic. And then as I've started different businesses along the way, when I started my construction company and all that, it was kind of the same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm in, when I'm in, I am all in. And now as I've gotten older, that's the other thing that I've transition to at a young age it was just non-stop non-stop and yep. uh you know i had a little transition from the way i did things when i moved to the outer banks i started taking weekends off and i got out of the restaurant business i moved there to open restaurants ended up getting into construction so that was great because my weekends were mine right yeah then, so once uh, you work into yours you're like oh hallelujah man like this is exactly. the best thing since sliced bread so that was a great little transition there and um you know so that was a lot of fun but you know, still I was in go mode. I was building that company, building that company. And in addition to that, I was coaching every sport that my kids played. Yeah. I was on all the boards and I was involved in the community. So, I mean, it was, it was nonstop, right? Busy, busy, busy doing everything. And, but it was good. You know, I enjoyed it. It was fun. So the way I do it now, I'm project based now. So if there's a project that I'm working on, whether it's a business, a company or a, a development project on the front end, I'm in and I do my, I do my time in chunks. And I go in and I'm all in and it's all day, every day, whatever I need to do to get that thing up and running. And yep. it may be a month or three months or whatever. But once it's up and running, then I can step back and I can relax and I can just, you know, uh, you know, put it on autopilot, right? Sprint, so that's kind of a, you sprint, then you marathon. Right. Well, just like the multifamily yeah. deal, right? You find that multifamily property and you, you've got to get the due diligence done. You've got to get the performance together. You've got to get the financing lined up, the property manager. You get it closed and then you start attacking the value add, right? So. Yep. Same kind of thing, but once that's done, then you're just on autopilot, just and as, the, as yeah. the units turn over, you renovate them, and you're just rolling through your business plan until you, you know, refi or sell. So, you know, that that front end is the most important thing. You got to attack it. You got to hit it hard. You got to be on it. 
But then once you get through that, it's just smooth sailing. Man, and, that uh, is that is that is the right analogy. That is exactly what it is. It's funny how the restaurant business teaches you that work ethic, right? I, yeah, I, 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 I'm just yourself. thinking about like you're saying these stories. I was like, gosh, you know, like you would say, this is funny. You know, uh, you say you're you're coming in at four o'clock for the you know that's your shift time four. You would never show up at four o'clock. That's a deadly sin, right? Uh, it, 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 like four o'clock your shift. Well, usually it's three o'clock would be your shift. You're showing up at like eleven. <laughs> I, I remember like if, if I have a three o'clock come in, I'm showing up at eleven, maybe twelve, but probably eleven because yeah. I want to show everybody that I'm I'm out here paying attention. I want to know what's going on. What was where's our numbers at? And that transfers over to my whole life's ran that way too. So it's funny that we have that. Well, in it's amazing. I so restaurants, great. I think everybody, <laughs> I think everybody should work in a restaurant because you learn customer service, how to deal with people. You learn how to operate under pressure. You learn how to multitask. You know, in the management level, it's all about the numbers, right? You're squeezing yep. nickels out of pennies. You know, yep. every single line item, every every penny counts. Oh, everything. Yeah. But the biggest thing that I learned, and like you were talking about in terms of teams and all that. You have to be a delegator in the restaurant industry. You can't micromanage. You just can't. There's too much. So you've got to be able to have your people that you're delegating tasks to, and you've got lists and systems. Like a lot of people, what's a system? What's a system? Well, in a restaurant, it's a checklist. It's a procedure. It's technology. It's the POS system, right? Those are systems. So you've got a system in every place, so it teaches you the importance and the value and how to use and and develop systems. And then it teaches you um, all about, uh, you know, in, in addition to that, um, you know, all about accountability. That restaurant business, just with the multitasking. Best and- thing ever happened to me, right? I remember, yeah. I, I mean, I spent four years, I was managing a steakhouse well, as well, and, um, you know, and a quality steakhouse. So there's a difference between being, we'll call it, I won't say Outback, but I want to say Outback. So that, you know, that's a steakhouse, but that's not what I'm talking about. We're talking Are about you at Star? I was actually, no, I was at, it's called Charleston's. It's yeah, out- I know, yeah, yeah, I know Charleston's. Yeah, I was at Lone Star Steakhouse's. Okay, yep, so Charleston's was like, you know, that was our little deal. We're like, no, we're Charleston's. We're not Outback, right? Like, we, we don't sell our food. Like, we had positions, right? So you yeah. come up to a table, there's position one, two, three, four, five, six, and the, the uh, food comes out so you know yeah. who's got what, right? Yeah, pivot points. Yeah, you come up to the table, your pivot point is the first corner to the left, and it's yep. you know, all the way around. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say, setting up for success. So. The last thing in all that was setting up for success, all right? So in your organization, what we do as leaders, we're there to serve everybody, right? You got, And you remember how it is at the end of the shift, you set up the shift for the morning for success. You have yeah. the coffee ready to go, the tea ready to go, the plates are restocked, the line, everything is ready. Everything's rolled, yeah. The next shift is set for success. So that's the other thing it teaches you in business is to set your organization up for success and to set your day up for success. You know, so me, first thing in the morning, you know, last thing in the day, first thing in the morning, right? I'm setting my success self up for success for for those next days, so I don't have to you know worry. Wake up in the middle of the night and go, man, what do I got to do tomorrow? I've already set it up before I ever you know end my day. I already know what I'm going to do tomorrow as soon as I get up. You know, so uh, that those are some valuable skills, and it translates into any business. So I just took all of that and put it into the construction industry, and then I put it into every other business that I've done, and they're all based off of what I learned in the restaurants. I mean, that's really where it came from. Gosh, what a what a great story, dude! I didn't. We didn't even know this is how this is going to turn out. But, but uh, yeah. I'm, I, I love this analogy because it is. It truly is that, so true, right? Because I've been in that restaurant business. I've I've put my time and effort in that. In that, one of the best teaching of business 
ethics and processes that you'll ever find is in a really nice restaurant, right? It'll 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 yeah. teach you everything. So what are you doing right now that that's got you juiced and um, that's got you excited? So I'm working on some. Uh, I like I like the heavy lift stuff. So you know, again, I always say at this point in my life, um, I like the stuff where you got to dig in, you get dirty. I like taking old buildings, making them new. I love the old brick. I love taking warehouses and repurposing them into you know modern open space environments. Maybe you have a brewery in there, and you've got some open space office and you know, restaurants and different environments, um, you know, taking a building and having, you know, that on the ground floor and maybe some apartments above or finding an apartment building. Like I had, I had one I looked at in Georgia the other day, I don't know, 250, 300 units, I mean, 350 units. It's a big one. And a friend of mine looked at, it, he's like, Oh man, that thing's stucco. And everybody's complaining. The windows are leaking. That's a nightmare. I'm like, I love it. I know exactly how to deal with that because when I was a remodeling guy, I went to a bunch of houses that had Pyrex on it, right? St- stucco. And I ripped it off and rebuilt the house from the outside in because it was all water rotted and all that. So that doesn't scare me at all. I know how to price it. I know what it takes. I know, I know exactly how to do it. You know, so I'm working on one of those right now, trying to, trying to get that deal under contract to, to go in there and do, you know, because each building is going to be stripped. And, you know, all of the stucco stripped, all the windows replaced, the studs replaced, the sills probably. So, you know, I know exactly what's involved. So I've got a little advantage over other people that are just kind of afraid of it. Yeah. Um, and lots of people are going to be afraid of it. Right. So that kind of stuff. I love heavy lift value add. I don't mind the lipstick stuff, you know, but uh, it seems to me there's a better niche in the heavy, heavy lift value add stuff because a lot of people just don't want to mess with it. No, um, they don't have that knowledge or experience in the uh, in that type of rehab. Like you said, like you're just doing these small rehabs all your life, you know, 1.5 mil or something. Right. You know, yeah. just the small ones. Well, that's kind of set the, the tone for what you're doing now. That stuff doesn't even scare you, phase you. You've seen it all. Right. And I coach people and I had one of my guys come to me and he's, he's like, man, he's like, I don't even know where to begin. It's just this huge thing. I said, look, I said, you've got 20 buildings of 10 units. It's just one building with 10 units. Can you, if I went and sent you to do that one building, would you be able to do that one building? Yeah. I'm like, okay, we'll do the one building and go to the next, and go to the next, <laughs> make a list. You know, I said, that's all it is. He's like, oh, I never thought of it like that. I'm looking at this huge monster. I'm like, yeah, that's the problem, right? People look at this huge monster. And, uh, and really it's, but just, it's just a building. building. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that's why a lot of people translate from the, the single family world into multifamily, you know, fix and flip, because it's really the same thing. One building is a big house, right? So, um, so anyways, I really enjoy that. Those I'm doing those and I'm working on a couple of ground up projects, uh, some opportunity zone projects, trying to get a hotel out of the ground in one of our markets, but you know, construction costs are just on that bigger stuff, you know, when you get in the 20 to $50 million range on construction, it's just, it's crazy. Right. Well, dude, that, that sounds like just a lot of fun. A lot of, uh, you know, that's pretty, it's just pretty crafty. I love, you know, even in this market, there's ways to find money. You know, it's, it's an expensive market, but it's all relative. It's all relative what you know and, and what you know how to take and transition stuff. Because even like in this market, like I love that ideal of the, the older office or not office space but uh, warehouses yeah warehouses gosh dang you know that's hip and cool yeah. in the right spot right and, well you and, go around an urban core that you know where there's some gentrification going on and uh and you look for uh you know where that's expanding around that urban center so a lot of people are doing the multifamily, this that and the other so you know look for these buildings that are just sitting there and and reimagine it and uh and you know be you know part of that you know uh bringing back, you know, a neighborhood. And some of those are in opportunity zones now, and there's a lot of money chasing those deals 
to repurpose a lot of these old buildings and revitalize a lot of these urban cores. Yep. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a lot of fun. And, and, you know, you can just really need stuff like, I, you know, one of the spaces that we're working on, you know, you've got it. So it's an open collaborative environment. So you can have some artists in there, some sculptors, some, you know, metal frame welder dudes. Then you've got somebody over here, like, you know, making distilling and doing brewery. And then, you know, I mean, just, you can, and then you got somebody doing an office or, or some stuff. Man, okay. I, I've, you're just getting something. I just had one of my friends back in the day, he was taking like, especially in the East coast. Right. So, you know, he's like, dude, you go to these, these little areas, they're outsides and it's the cultural I, artist, uh, all that stuff. Right. You can, they all need places to work. Right. And so that was what his biggest deal was he'd go in there and, and, and fill it with art and cool and hip and have like these little spaces for all these people and then it becomes cool and then like a, a restaurant or something and you create a hub and next yeah. thing you know and then like the next phase is everybody moves in prices go up now you take it back out and you make it apartments again right yeah <laughs> yeah so it's just amazing you can into the market and you've got everybody's like a vendor in there and they're selling their work too and you know maybe you do an open house on weekends and they work all week to sell their product on the weekends so you know, there's there's any number of things that you can do. It's 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 really cool. Uh, that's that is amazing. Well, listen. Um, last last thing, tax laws, uh, cost segregation. I've been a little asked to talk a little bit more about that kind of stuff. Uh, any any okay. um, insight on into that for you and your companies and how that's affecting uh, anything that you guys do? No, you know, I haven't really gotten into that. That can be um, so. The stuff that I do is just, you know, like I said, it's heavy lift, value add, or ground up. So that doesn't a lot of times doesn't apply to a lot of things that we do, and we're short term, so we're in and out in three to five years. So I think cost segregation is probably a longer term play for existing assets, yep. uh, and it's expensive, right? So you you know you got to spend some money on that. So if you've got a large enough asset with enough time in it, I think it can I think it can be valuable and it can be a, a great thing to do but it's not anything i don't i don't have any experience with it i've done i haven't done that with any of my projects right cool cool well listen dude great what a great show dude i just i love some of the foundational principles we're just gonna go going go in, you know if you have any advice uh well it's advice for my audience right um your whole 22 years of experience best piece of advice uh go big go bigger than you think you can and partner with great operators like Corey, you know, go out there, find the biggest deal that you can find that works and call Corey and say, Hey man, I got this deal. I don't know how to get it done. Let's do this thing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> if, uh, if people want to get a hold of you or check out your companies, where do they find you at? Oh, uh, and mine is if you got the dirtiest, ugliest thing and it's big, call me. <laughs> <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so my website, gregdickerson.com. All my contact info is on there. It's greg at gregdickerson.com. Uh, my number, 434-326-3903. I answer the phone. I have no backlog in my life. I'm very, you know, I take care of everything right now. So I, I don't, I'm never behind. I never have backlog. And I answer the phone when people call. So, yeah, website, gregdickerson.com. It's all on there. Um, I'm putting some videos on YouTube about some different things that I've experienced in my career on the different asset classes, different uh, things that we just talked about, stuff like this. So um, so I've got some pretty cool stuff there as well. Cool. Hey, guys, make sure you go check that out. Um, Greg, as always, thank you so much for uh, coming on my show and giving me just valuable nuggets and, and your wonderful wisdom. I mean, you've to have uh, your success, um, to start from what you did and, and to build it that way, it's an extraordinary feat. But it's not as hard as most people think, right? 
It's just, but you just stayed focused and consistent. And guys, listen, you want you listen to this podcast for a reason. We bring in great guests just like Greg, but if you can believe it, you can achieve it because your paradise is possible. <laughs>